This is Geeks and Jacks. Welcome back to Geeks and Jacks, episode 152. Recording April 27th, 2023. This is Ryan Sullivan. Glad to have you. Before getting into this episode, this podcast is on Spotify for Podcasters. You can also find us on Radio Public and Google Podcasts. So head on down to those places. Search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content. Points. So, talk about crazy. Mario is still dominating at number one. Definitely going to be talking about that and some of the newcomers. Talk about what's going on in the new spectrum. A couple firings or one of least is firing the other I'm not sure talk about potential stuff with the NBA Max Scherzer for MLB and a few other sports related stuff and talk about potentially an Xbox shutdown if if that actually does happen which I don't think it will (sighs) here in this episode of Geeks and Jacks so when I look at boxofficemojo.com, they don't. Sometimes it's just hard to see whether or not some of the stuff is actually coming out nationwide or not. I thought Evil Dead Rise was going to um, be limited, but big release, obviously. Big release. Did really well. Did really well. Or at least uh, what we would perceive as good considering horror budgets. But it wasn't number one. Number one was Super Mario. Again. Third straight week in theaters. Made nearly 60 million over the course of this past weekend. And its numbers as of Tuesday the 25th is 444 million domestic and 448 internationally. So this is doing even across all boards of the world. Nearing 900 million. And more than likely... This is going to reach a billion dollars in, if I had to guess, maybe two weeks. Anywhere between the two weeks. With how well this is doing. It's crazy to think that this is going to actually make a billion dollars. I wouldn't have thought that. As far as Illumination goes, very few of their films have reached a billion. I think just minions did might be wrong on that but I was looking at like the biggest movies of all time for animation and I thought Shrek 2 was going to be the biggest domestically but it wasn't not by a long shot and that was The Incredibles 2 that made over 600 million domestic and I think Worldwide, I think it's Frozen 2 that has the 
most success combined for domestic and internationally. And that came out, that was what, Thanksgiving 2019? And that was a good three and a half months, almost four, before the pandemic happened. But nevertheless, I mean, Mario should enjoy having success at where he is. So, two newcomers, number two being Evil Dead Rise, making $24.5 million. And definitely enjoying a small bit of success right now. 28.9 domestic and 17.9 internationally, nearing 50 million altogether. Should definitely make it past 60, 70 million when it's all said and done after this weekend. Number three, another newcomer, The Covenant from Guy Ritchie. 6.3 million. I actually want to see what the budget was because I can't imagine this. I, I gotta look at that. Uh, where is it? The Covenant budget. Ooh, fifty-five million. Yeah, this is not gonna. Uh, if this is what's gonna have, and I think this is gonna be a flop. You would think maybe making ten to fifteen million would make it a little easy to deal with the bleeding if it were to happen. But, ouch! Not too far behind. Number four is John Wick Chapter Four. million over the weekend, where it stands right now, 170 mil domestic and 193 internationally, and a little over 360 million. So, definitely still enjoying its fun while it lasted. 5.5 million, number five, is Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I'm not sure it'll make any sort of profit, but anything to stop the bleeding altogether. 83.2 domestic right now, and almost 96 mil internationally, almost 180. Kind of surprised it's still doing decent. I mean, as far as far as where it's been the last couple of weeks. That's that's what I'm trying to think about. How long has this been in theaters? Only four weeks in theaters. Hmm. Is that right? Yep. Number six, Air. 5.4 million. So, 42.7 domestic and 27.1 internationally so this is near 70 million which is supposedly the minimum of where the budget was but it's anywhere from 70 to 90 million which 
if it is 70 million, I mean, it probably would need a little more to make sure that it would not be seen as a huge flop. That's at least where I see it. But your guess is as good as mine. I mean, I'm sure Amazon will eat some of the losses. Number seven, The Pope's Exorcist, $3.4 million. I'm not surprised that it's not doing well here domestic. 15.7 mil domestic and internationally it's doing a little better. 37.1. Maybe it's maybe it's something that works better in Europe or other places across the world. It just doesn't translate well here in the US. United States, excuse me. Number eight, Renfield, not too far behind, three point two million. That one, obviously a huge, massive flop. 14.5 domestic and 4.3 internationally. This movie will be lucky if it reaches 30 million overall worldwide. But definitely a huge fail on Universal's part. Number 9, Bo is Afraid, 2.8 million. I believe that's the Joaquin Phoenix movie. So at around 3.2 worldwide, about 98% of it domestically. <sighs> Number 10. Suzumi, which I think it's that, yeah, the anime movie made a little over a million. 1.6 mil. Barely made it to number 10. 8.8 domestic and 151.9 internationally. So that's how the movies are for this past weekend. I would probably say Mario is more than likely going to lead the box office again for a fourth straight week. At least that's how I see it. The two big releases are Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Which, Lionsgate, maybe it does okay, but I don't know. And the other being the George Foreman movie that's coming out you know, th- this weekend as well. Bunch of limited releases. And a couple re-releases as well. Uh, so the monsters without today—that's coming. That's coming out today. Uh, the limited releases for the 28th: Born to Fly, The Black Demon, Sisu, Polite Society, RMN, Four Quartets, a re-release of Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi that turns 40 this year. Sid is dead. Nuclear now. The end of sex. Freaks out. And the eight mountains. April 30th, the 40th anniversary of Flashdance. That's a limited release. Another limited release at the start of May. A Father's Heart. 
and then the following Wednesday, Unconditional, which is a actually a nationwide release. I think this is is this supposed to be a documentary. You have a documentary from AMC. That's interesting. I think that's something that really needs to be explored more, looking at the mental health of people, because there's, I feel like it's misunderstood quite a bit. And we got three wide releases coming out on the 5th, with Guardians of the Galaxy 3 leading the way. And two other movies. What's Love Got to Do With It? And... What's the other film? And Love Again. Yeah. So, I'd imagine... I'd imagine Mario is going to lead the way again for a fourth straight week. No joke. I think it will. Unless... Foreman finds a way to... Punch his way to success this weekend, which I don't think it would in comparison to what Creed 3 was doing about a month or so ago. <sighs> so, moving on to, to sports. Probably the biggest thing that comes to my mind outside of the NBA playoffs is the fact that Max Scherzer was suspended 10 games for for sticky substance and Scherzer making his point that he was using the rosin bag and saying rosin bag and sweat. There was a point about well, earlier this past weekend, I think, where he was told to wash his hand and he used alcohol and Almost midway through the game, Scherzer gets looked at by Phil Cousy and the other umpires, and he gets ejected from the game. Ten games, which is basically two starts for for Scherzer and the Mets, could definitely use some good pitching. Because I don't think they've had Justin Verlander start yet at all. And his agent, Scott Boris put out some stuff recently on that there needs to be a standard to what is considered too sticky and all that because there's there's it's, it's been a thing for many years like finding ways to make sure no one's using sticky substances or tacky things to to have better control over overthrowing the baseball and Scherzer has been the target over the last couple of seasons with whether or not he's using sticky substances I don't think he's trying to cheat on purpose especially with this past Sunday with Sunday night baseball David Cohn who calls games for ESPN experimenting with using a rosin bag and having some stickiness to the ball when using it with his hand 
and then using the rubbing alcohol to wash, you know, put a little bit on his hand and, you know, stuck a little more. And him going along the lines of, well, explaining, why not use soap and water? Well, soap and water, anyone that's worked in, say, restaurants, you know, back in kitchen restaurants and other places, when you are around water, you essentially have to be careful with your hands because it, too much soap and water, even if you're not washing your hands all the time, even if you're around the water of where you are at your job or somewhere, it dries your hands up pretty badly, prunes them up too. And, you know, you find yourself with some dry skin and maybe it just doesn't have the same type of feel when you're trying to throw a baseball. But I think maybe it serves as a lesson or something for everybody across the league, but I don't think I don't think Scherzer's trying to cheat on purpose or anything like that. But that's far from crazy. The other crazy thing was a minor league brawl between the single-A affiliates of the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Yankees, resulting in a coach punching another coach. I wish I was making that up. Now, I'd expect brawls to occur at points throughout, throughout a season. That's... That's to be expected. I, I want to look at that first just to see what was the reason. <laughs> Minor league coaches get after a batter gets plunked. That's classic. That's what happens. Throwing punches hit by chaotic punch another. Oh my god. <laughs> This should not be funny. But it is. At the same time. Or did it lead to the brawl getting much, much worse? Oof. Yeah. Single affiliate taking exception to a hit by pitch manager of the Clearwater Threshers. This is from YanksGoYard.com, by the way. Marty Malloy escalated things by throwing a punch at Tampa Tarpons pitching coach Gerardo Casadiego. (laughs) One on one got tackled. (laughs) Yeah, so it the the Philly affiliate coach got in got in huge trouble. Oh my goodness! Um, one of the other things that I didn't know about until within the last twenty four hours was this ESPN reporter getting getting fired. Her name. Is 
Marley Rivera. And she she's I think she's been like one of the longer running reporters for MLB well for ESPN for a long time. And this had to do with when the Yankees were facing the Angels and getting to kind of like an argument with an, with another reporter some some freelance reporter from what I understand so and supposedly that reporter was I gotta find that article again yeah, it was, yeah, Sports Illustrated. It was from Sports Illustrated. According to a report from Andrew Martian of the New York Post, interview between whether or not Rivera or Ivan Gaete trying to interview Judge and all that. And so, I mean, apologize, try to apologize. Freelance journalist, this gaiety person working on assignment. This was for, like, someone who worked with, I think, like, those, like, interviews with Shoei Otani and all that. Vice President of Communications is John Blundell, who she is married to. And yeah, you picked a worse time to get let go, especially in the midst of Disney laying off a ton of people all across the board, all around the world. Lots of things going on right now with that. And yeah, they're more than likely there's going to be some names that probably will be let go at the Worldwide Leader of Sports. But uh, what did Rivera say to the gaiety? Effing C. Yeah. I believe that was recorded for so- to, and put on social media. But even that, I mean, saying it in front of the Vice President of Communications, that's just, that's just sour. Over a decade and you threw it all away. Threw it all away. And one last thing, just to end on a positive for baseball. If you ever get a chance, look up what's going on with some of the Dodgers players, former and current, because some of them have been on paternity uh, leave. Paternity list, MLB. Like, I had a, I had a good laugh at this. Looked at it from Fan Nation actually, not too long ago before recording, Cody Bellinger of the Cubs just got put on paternity list, and he was part of the Dodgers last year. So, the list of them, Mookie Betts, Evan Phillips, Bruce Starr, Gratterall, Max Muncy, all within the last week. It makes me think of a story 
that isn't as funny, but all within the last week or so, all of them having babies around this time. They might be saying, how? Well, the All-Star break was in L.A., so they didn't have to do anything. So, yeah. Pretty funny. A story that made me think about a little bit was a little over a decade ago about some high school girls that were all wanting to get pregnant at the same time so they could raise their kids together, raise their babies together. Yeah, I'm sure that didn't pan out well. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. Hey, some of these guys want to have have families. That's what it comes down to. Oh, one more. Last thing I forgot. There's a guy that was that was in the minor leagues for so long. Drew, Andrew Jerome Maggie, or Majai. Not sure how you say it, but but Drew, debuting in MLB at the age of 33 after 13 years of being in the minor league system. 1,100 plus games, 4,400 plate appearances in the minors. Pinch hitter. But yeah. Always interesting to see see things like that happen. So moving on to the NBA. Got a number of series that have wrapped up. And some that are on the verge of either forcing a game 7... Or could win it all together in game six. So, the series that are over. Start off with the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers swept. Sweep the Brooklyn Nets. Though the big question will be whether or not Joel Embiid will be fully healthy. That's going to be the biggest debate to to see because he's when he's good, he's really good. But his health has been a huge factor in whether or not Philly can succeed or maybe even win a championship. But I'm not too stunned at the Nets being swept. That was just a mess of a year. Huge mess. The next series to see a elimination was the Denver Nuggets beating the Minnesota Timberwolves to advance to the next round. Denver has a good group. You know, they've been decent enough in recent years and some people might want to see them as maybe a dark horse favorite to win the championship but it's tough competition when you got the LA Lakers the Warriors and a couple other teams to to deal with the latest series has occurred within the last couple of hours actually 
at the time of this recording here, actually three different series over the last 24 hours. Phoenix Suns winning their series against the L.A. Clippers, and this is without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for the Clippers. And it's gotten to the point where you have Stephen A. Smith of ESPN ripping on Leonard, calling him one of the worst superstars to play the game. Probably for current players, if I had to guess. And Smith ain't wrong. This guy has been a nightmare, Kawhi Leonard. He did a lot of great things early on in his time with San Antonio and got got a championship with them, but I would say once that 2017 season came, he he just hasn't been the same. And I would say that's also when San Antonio stopped being that good of a team. Once they started losing guys like Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, and a few others, it 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 just didn't work anymore. I mean, sure, he won the tur- the championship with with Toronto, but he has been MIA for like the most critical games. And speaking of Toronto, the the Raptors fired Nick Nurse who took them to the championship and won it in 2019. So yeah, not not good. Not good at all. Next series, the New York Knicks winning their first playoff series in 10 years, beating the Cleveland Cavaliers. Some might be wondering if Cleveland getting Donovan Mitchell was a smart move or not, and There was questions on whether or not Mitchell would have gone to the Knicks. But when you look at their history over the last 10 years, it hasn't been exactly bright. Though you have a guy like Tom Thibodeau who knows a thing or two about playoff runs. His first year in the NBA coaching as the head coach for the Bulls Took them to the Eastern Conference Finals, lost to lost to Miami, who went to the finals and lost to Dallas. Thibodeau knows a thing or two. The question is how deep of a run does he have? And are they capable of getting past Miami or Philadelphia or even Boston pending what happens? Or even Atlanta for that matter, too. And the other series, Miami. I'll just mention that re- just now. Uh, Miami eliminating Milwaukee, the number one seed. I think they're like the first playing team to to win two playing games and win, win in the first round. I know Giannis was not the same. So, I I don't know. Maybe it's just not enough depth or something. I don't know. I don't really follow it as as much compared to others. 
But that's where the NBA is right now. 3-2 series for Golden State, Sacramento. Golden State leading the way right now. Boston 3-2. They could have had a chance to win it in Game 5, but Atlanta came back. And the other being Lakers, Memphis. Memphis surviving for one more game. Ouch. Obviously, NFL Draft is today. Definitely next week we'll be talking about the first round picks. Get a chance to look at them and, you know, go into my thoughts on whether they'll be a crucial part of a team or be oh man or be an absolute bust I guess can be as good as mine so jumping into NASCAR Big race at Talladega. And Kyle Bush led the way. Number one. That eight car doing good things for Richard Childress. I think this is his second or third win of the year for the eight. Your top ten as follows. Ryan Blaney second. Chris Buescher a really good third place finish. Fourth, pretty good. Briscoe, Chase Briscoe. Fifth, Brad Keselowski, really good performance. Sixth, Eric Jones. Seventh, William Byron. Chris Bell, eighth. Daniel Suarez, back in the top ten. Ninth, Todd Gillen, a pretty good tenth place finish. Other notables include Chase Elliott, twelfth. Alex Bowman, thirteenth. He does have a back injury, though, so Josh Berry, who did fill in for Elliott when Elliott was hurt, more than likely going to be in the 48 car for the next month, uh, Barry. Ty Dillon, 14th. Ricky Stenhouse, 15th. Tyler Reddick, 16th. Denny Hamlin, 17th. Justin Haley, 19th. Kevin Harvick, 21st. Eric Almarola, 22nd. Ross Chastain, 23rd. Austin Sindrick, 26th. Martin Truex Jr., 27th. Bubba Wallace, 28th. I think there were there was a couple overtimes, and I believe he got wrecked around the end of it, and he had a really good run. Could have been top 10. A.J. Allmendinger, 29th. Joey Logano, 30th. Ty Gibbs, 31st. Kyle Larson, 33rd. Michael McDowell, 35th. Harrison Burton, 36, and dead last at 38th, Austin Dillon. So looking at the standings right now for for the Cup Series, leading the way, Chris Bell. Second place, Ross Chastain. Third is Harvick. Fourth, Larson. Fifth, Bush. Sixth, Reddick. 7th Truex, 8th Blaney, ninth Bowman, and 10th Hamlin. 3 points is the difference between 10th and 12th place. Logano, 2 points behind Hamlin, and Kozlowski, 3 points behind Hamlin. 
So moving on to TV, some interesting departures. One I'm not too surprised about. The other, maybe a little surprised, but maybe some stuff brewing behind the scenes that led to this occurring. But CNN and Fox News losing two anchors. Well, one from each network. The first being Don Lemon at CNN and Tucker Carlson at Fox News. Start off with with Lemon. Fired. I'm not at all surprised at him being let go. He was I was surprised he's he was with them for that long. And I mean big part of CNN. He recently was part of that morning group. <laughs> oh my god, there's a headline for for uh Washington Post, Tucker Carlson, Don Lemon hired the same lawyer after Fox CNN exits. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, there was a number of things behind the scenes. I mean, he was part of the morning group, I think it's with Caitlin Collins and Poppy Harlow. Okay, was he with CNN since 2015 or longer than that? Accusations of misogyny and misbehavior. So he might be looking to see if he was let go in a bad manner. Just trying to see... I'm just trying to look for when he first started, because I feel like, or did he get a show in in 2015? Yeah, this has to do with a while ago mentioning uh, Nikki Haley being in her 50s and not being in her prime. There's some other stuff too. Call a producer. Fat to her face with reported. Mocked to mimic another. <laughs> Saying men's soccer should be paid more. Oh my god. So it just sounds like. It sounds like. If I had to guess. he He's also. He's also a gay guy. So maybe he sees things a little differently. Compared to women. I don't know. I'm not sure if it would make a difference, but it just sounds like he's tired of hearing women complain about certain things. Saying, that, I mean, this that stuff is from BBC, by the way. I mean, how do you explain that to someone? Probably thought he was fired wrongly, but... If you're looked at as a nuisance, inevitably it's going to come back to bite you. 
And this is part of seeing stuff going on with CNN over the last year or so when you have the romantic stuff that Jeff Zucker had with one of the producers, the controversy surrounding Chris, Chris Cuomo, the, the letting go of Brian Stelter. CNN has not been in a good spot over the last two plus years. And they've they've tried things and it just hasn't worked. And I think people are just tired of reporters like Lemon. And maybe his shtick got tiring to the people. I think people are just tired of CNN in general. Now as far as the whole Carlson go thing goes, I wonder if any of it has to do with the Dominion lawsuit that Fox settled with, you know. And maybe he just doesn't like the direction Fox News is going and other stuff. I would say, if I had to look at it from my perspective, go out in a blaze of glory before things get worse, if I had to guess. At least he's not going to wind up in a bad situation like Bill O'Reilly. I would say... Tucker Carlson's not as nutty as O'Reilly. O'Reilly's just a fucking idiot. Just obnoxious. If I had to compare him to O'Reilly to anybody, it would be he would be the male version of Nancy Grace. This rude, obnoxious piece of crap. You know, the irony out of all this, just thinking that, Nancy Grace is part of Fox News. Too. <laughs> as weird as that is. But I'm sure it's more to talk about crime stuff than other things. But regardless, I think... I don't know whether this will unravel Carlson as a whole or not. I can't imagine him being unemployed for for that long. I'd imagine some network's going to take him. He was with CNN for for a long time before going to Fox. Although it'd be hard to see who replaces him because ratings... I would say it's a fight between whether or not Fox News or MSNBC is number one. Can't imagine people would want Hannity to be leading the way. If I had to guess, probably Laura Ingraham probably probably winds up being the 8 o'clock anchor for for Fox News. Anything can happen. And it's funny thinking about thinking about politics a tiny bit. I don't know if anybody's seen this, but it's just thinking that Disney going after Ron DeSantis suing them over some development land that Disney had for many, many years and trying to put things into Disney's favor while trying to to make things look bad for Ron DeSantis and it just I'm sure there's probably a lot more coming up soon but it just seems like Disney wants to have control of their own stuff and not abide by the rules. 
and it just continues to make the company look way worse amidst all the issues pertaining to some of the properties they've had, their struggles with Disney Plus, the the theme park attractions, especially with the fact that right now Mario and Universal are leading the way, and you got Universal Park not too far from Disney as well. I think Disney is trying to not play by the rules, and they try to make DeSantis out to be this big monster or something. I mean, sure, there are some things to hate DeSantis for, but trying to keep Disney aligned is not one of them. It just isn't. I'm sure this is something that's going to last for a good while. How long, I don't know. But Disney, I think, is going to be in for an interesting summer. I would imagine... I would imagine the Guardians movie does well. Not sure how Elemental will do. But I got a feeling they're going to be losing a lot of money on that Indiana Jones movie. Regardless of quality. I don't think... What's it called again? Dial of Destiny. I want to look at that. I want to look at that budget again. Just to make sure I'm not seeing anything different. Uh, what is it? Indiana. Yeah, Dial of Destiny. Budget. Yeah. This is from almost two and a half, a little over two and a half months ago. $294.7 million. So, yeah, I'm not seeing... Yeah, this is just the headline from CBR and several other places. Oh my god. Like I've I've said this a couple times on this podcast talking about Kingdom of Crystal Skull. I remember just thinking that a few weeks from now Crystal Skull turns 15. I remember right around when that movie came out that was reading stuff about, and I've said this a couple times on this podcast, Paramount and Lucasfilm needed to make $500 million just to break even. And that's accounting for probably not just the budget, but probably for the marketing and a few other things just to stay afloat. This movie... I think it's going to have to make anywhere from 700 to maybe 900 million just to break even. And Disney is not in the best of situations right now. And this could be part of a if I had a, I was listening to some stuff online, you know, potentially this could be a dark era. Disney has been through some dark eras. Uh the 70s 
in the early 80s, I mean, was not kind to Disney. I mean, they had some stuff that did well early on in the 70s, but after that, it was hard to guess whether or not it would be a hit or not. I would say they started to get back on their feet a little bit with Great Mouse Detective in 86 and a couple other movies, but Little Mermaid brought them back into some form of relevancy along with doing TV shows like DuckTales back in 87. I would say they also had a little bit of a downfall in the, I would say, early 2000s, 01, 02, through, I'd say, maybe 06, 07. But once they started to, they started to get back again to doing other, to having success again, stuff like, beyond just the Pixar stuff, obviously, stuff such as, I'd say, like, Meet the Robinsons, Tangled, Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, I would say Frozen really brought him back along with the Pixar stuff they were doing. Now, I don't think Disney's gonna be gone far from it. They'll, they'll still be around. But you also have uncertainty going on with with BuzzFeed and some of these other digital news sites that are struggling. Newsfeed shutting down its news division and laying off a number of people. And this is amongst many things going on with digital media, digital news sites and all that, where people are just not buying into half the crap that is said on places such as BuzzFeed, Deadspin, Kotaku, Huffington Post, and all these other stuff. Because people are tiring of the way some of these people do journalism. Sure, some things you can sucker people in, but I think everyone is just tired of seeing political agendas shoved down people's throats. And I think with some of the stuff, I think people are just tuned out of, yeah, we don't care about what you have to personally say. Can you talk about the article and that's it? And I mean, there's nothing really in depth I can really talk about with this. It's just, it's another case of tune it out and that's it. I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's, it could be the domino effect at some point of one tumbles, the others will probably tumble too. Not all, but it could happen. Speaking of what could happen, moving lastly to, to gaming. So we're a few days away from the start of May. And just the you know talk about it a couple times with regards to the Xbox 360. There was a thing that happened where I think it was Microsoft essentially pulling back a thing 
saying that the Xbox 360 marketplace was going to shut down in May. They retracted that and said it wasn't going to shut down. But some people have been unconvinced at that. And this is at a time now where... A few months back, Microsoft announced delistings for for some games on the 360 marketplace. Some from Microsoft, others from third-party people. Some big-name stuff like Darksiders, South Park, Spelunky, and a few others. Call of Duty, a couple of the Call of Duties. I think it was Ghosts and Advanced Warfare you, you can't buy anymore. Although the weird thing was, I looked at the marketplace earlier this week and some of the stuff was still up some had been taken off the part that I don't get is were some of these supposed to actually be gone or was it kind of a smokescreen thing or did they think or did they second guess on whether or not some stuff should be taken off the marketplace for for 360. Because there has been some stuff, I mean, across Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, and and computers, where some stuff is gone for good. And tomorrow, there's going to be a few Battlefield games from EA that are going to be delisted for the 360, PS3, and the PC. I think it's uh, Bad Company Games and uh, 1943. I had to think about that for a second because 1943 is the only digital game out of the bunch. I'm not sure if Bad Company 1 and 2 had physical releases on PC... They certainly have for the 360 and PS3, so it'll be very easy to get those. Anyway, uh, I would say in regards to the situation, keep an eye on anything that gets reported, whether rumor or not from some leaker or some thing official from Microsoft, I would keep an eye on it because who knows what's going to happen. I mean, I've, I've seriously thought four or five years ago that that Microsoft and Sony would shut down the storefronts for 360 and PS3 around 2020 and kept pushing it back at this point I'm not even sure when they'll shut down if they do I'd imagine they would at some point but I'm kind of left wondering are people still playing the stuff is there that is there still kind of a demand in the same way people are still buying things for the PS4, Xbox One, and PS5 and Xbox Series. 
maybe not to the level of its successors, but if I had to say there's and there's enough to keep going and with the backlash with Sony a couple years ago with planning to shut down the stores for the PS3, Vita, and PSP, I mean, Sony retracted and decided to keep the stores going with the exception of the PSP. I think they were just, I think they were scared. But I think at some point, it's going to happen inevitably. Last month, there was the shutdown of the Switch. Not the, not the Switch, excuse me. The Wii U and the 3DS stores from Nintendo. And some people scrambled. I, I did a tiny bit myself to get some stuff. To get stuff before before a lot of it got delisted or shut down permanently. There's a lot of games for the Wii U and the 3DS that never got on a store shelf. It was digital. And not to mention the the virtual console and some of the older games. So, like I said, keep an eye on anything that, that pops up regarding the 360. It is a 17 plus year old system and PS3 will turn 17 in November itself. Keep an eye on anything because it at this point, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Who knows? It could be anything. For all we know, Xbox could be saying at some point, either this year or next year, hey, 2025 will be be the last year to get anything off the marketplace. Try and get it now before it's all over. But, I mean, that could happen, or they could keep it going throughout the rest of the 2020s. Same with PlayStation. It, it could keep happening. Just repeating on and on, just but it's it's hard to it just it, it it's hard to to guess. It really is. Don't have much else really to say on it, but like I said a couple times already, just keep an eye on anything that gets reported on the 360. Just as a heads up, keep an eye on anything for PS3. Or Windows 7 and 8 as well. Uh, Valve is ending support of Steam on Windows 7 and 8. Just older stuff is hard to maintain. And updates, if there is any, are very rare. If if they're not getting updated, security exploits, hackers, you name it. You gotta stay, stay protected. About ends this episode here. As I said at the start, this podcast is on Spotify for podcasters, or maybe the other way around. But you can also find this on Radio Public and Google Podcasts. Sort on down to those places. Search for Geeks and Jocks. Plenty of content awaits. 
So that's episode 152. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself, take care, everyone.